Thanks for listening to our podcast. This episode is made possible by our sponsors, CSU Ramzone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, a great sponsor of our Pick'em and Bracket Contest all year long. Also to Ginger and Baker, our favorite restaurant on the planet. And an exciting new announcement coming up next month is we have a new partner coming on board, Vuelo del Aviador Tequilas. That's former Ram basketball star Milt Palacios' company that he's involved with. So we're really excited about that. We'll be introducing them in future podcasts. Can't wait to tell you all about their tequilas. They joined us at a couple of our tailgates this fall and uh, let us do some tasting. It is awesome. High-end tequila. Really good. Can't wait to uh, to have you guys try that. And then, of course, last but not least, our title sponsor of this podcast, Peterson Toyota. It's 2024, and you may be thinking this is the year for a new car. Let me introduce you to the all-new 2024 Land Cruiser with no fuss, no muss, just the way you remember it, with prices starting in the mid-$50,000 range. Land Cruiser brings back the thrill and excitement of exploring unfamiliar terrain with its remarkable capabilities and legendary reliability, while paying homage to its historic roots of over 65 years. Peterson Toyota can hook you up with a test drive. They are your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth. They've been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will find the one that is right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do. They will take care of you, I promise. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa. I am flying solo today. No Mike Rowe. Jack Wad decided to go see Godzilla instead of joining me for the podcast today. I will have Adam Nygon on with me in just a couple minutes. We're going to break down the game at Reno, talk a little bit about what went wrong, what's been wrong lately with this team, and uh, kind of look ahead to the Wyoming game. Got to say I'm a little bit somber because the Rams have lost now their third game in Mount West play following Wednesday night, last night, 77-64 to Nevada in a game that really saw the Rams shoot poorly. I mean, they shot an abysmal 39% from the field, an atrocious 26% from three, just six of 23 from behind the arc. And the Wolfpack shot 54% by comparison. Jared Lucas scored 28 Keenan Blackshear scored 20. They were combined 19 of 26 shooting, 73%. They just absolutely torched the Rams. And it wasn't necessarily us playing bad defense on him. I mean, he had a hand in his face. Both guys had hands in their face. They really pretty good defense, forcing them to put up some tough shots. And credit to them, they just were making them. It was something to see for sure. The Rams' top three scorers, Isaiah Stevens, Nick Clifford, and Patrick Cartier, scored a total between the three of them, of just 17 points on eight of 29 shooting. They were 27% from the field. I mean, Isaiah Stevens averages 17 points per game himself. And get this, it, they just in the first half, they were one of 11 uh, for a total of two points. So a really slow start, just a really rough shooting night across the board for the team, but certainly for your top three scorers. These guys, uh, Neek, or Isaiah, Neek, and Patrick, Average 17, 14, and 12 points, respectively, each game. So uh, if just one of those guys hits his usual scoring average, you're looking at a one-possession game. But uh, all three of them were well below their scoring averages. It was a rough time. Um, Zay went 4 of 16 
zero for four from three. And he uh, was 0 for 4 from the field in the first half. So just a really slow start, kind of put the Rams behind the eight ball. Cartier was in foul trouble all night. Uh, it's kind of been a, uh, a recurring theme uh, in recent uh, games for him. Picked up two fouls in just the first couple minutes. It was really rendered useless. And, and I, I didn't love the... I, I didn't love him putting himself in a position to be called for those. Um, you know, sometimes he picks up some ticky-tack fouls. I thought that those were just not smart for him, a guy that should not be picking those up. Um, I thought he did also get a couple of fouls late in the game, which would BS. But, uh, you know, you put yourself in a rough situation when you're reaching or, or, or fouling well away from the hoop. It just, I don't know. Um, we'll talk to Adam about that and get his thoughts on what's going on there. You know, being in foul trouble rendered him pretty ineffective the entire game. He picked up um, two more fouls in the second half, his third Foul came five minutes in, five and a half minutes in. His fourth foul came 13 minutes into the second half. So uh, both times it would force Nico to sub him out immediately. So it just could not get in the rhythm, you know, in and out of the game. He only played uh, 15 minutes total. He ultimately picked up his fifth foul with uh, under two minutes left in the game. He finished one of five shooting for just two points and one rebound. So, so rough night in a game when you needed Pat. And then Neat Clifford was three of eight. He was one for four from three. Also had a really untimely turnover. Um, it was part of kind of a stretch of possessions where the Rams had a chance to really cut into that lead down the stretch, you know, get that lead under five or six, just could never break that threshold, could not make a bucket or get any closer. It just seemed to just miss open shots that would have pulled us within uh, two or three instead and brick it or we turn the ball over. So, uh, but this one, he had one with about 417 left in the game, stole the ball, had a breakaway after the steal, and they're going, him and Zay are going to the hoop, and he gets picked from behind rather than giving back up to Isaiah, and that was pretty much the death knell. The Rams were actually down by seven at that time, and with a bucket there, they cut it to five, or with a three, they get get it to four, but uh, Nevada steals the ball back, goes down, scores a jumper. They go up nine. So huge swing there. Rams not never got any closer than that after that play. So that was really kind of the 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 final dagger in that game. And that turnover was one of three turnovers for Neek in the final four minutes. So rough way to close that game. Nevada finished on a ten and two run. It was lights out after that. Zay, like I said, he he was his shooting was off big time. But you also look at the other things he does in the game. Ten assists. Uh, versus no turnovers. That's a nice clean game. Had three rebounds as well. But uh, four of 16 shooting, eight points. That's rough. And just getting off to slow starts, you kind of want to see him take control early in the game and set the tone. He likes to distribute the ball, but man, it, it would be nice uh, to get him going, get him on track, because it seems several games in a row now he's had rough starts. And most of the time he'll turn it on in the second half. That just did not happen uh, in Reno last night. So Rams have dropped to three and three in league play. All three losses have come against the upper echelon, the title contenders uh, on the road, these top six teams that, that you look at in the standings. But with just now you got two road games left against those top six. Now that you've lost three, we're, we're one of the top six, obviously. Uh, so the remaining ones are at San Diego State, at New Mexico. And with the way this team is playing, that seems to me like a really tall task to go and steal a road game at one of those places. That puts us behind the eight ball if you want to uh, have hopes at winning the regular season title, which is really disappointing. You, you kind of hope that you would steal just one of these five games 
And right now it's, uh, it's looking meager, uh, looking slim. So uh, unless some things change with this offense, you know, and just it, what's disappointing is uh, all three of these games were kind of there. The game was in the balance with a chance to win and just could not, if you just had a, an above average shooting night, you had a chance in all three of those losses. So, you know, this is an offense that has been praised nationally for its ball movement, the ball sharing, creating good looks for, you know, spraying the ball, getting a lot of guys, good looks, making shots, a team that makes shots, one of the top few uh, offensive teams in the country in, in field goal percentage. And there are, there's good moment. There's moments of good ball movement, good ball sharing. It's just not as consistent as it has been early in the season. Maybe this is a result of playing really good teams with athletic defenses. And, you know, these are, these conference games are, are against opponents that have played CSU a bunch over the years. These coaches know how to scout and game plan the Rams, but I just think that the, the Rams shot selection has been poor at times and they're just missing, they're missing good shots. They're missing open shots. They're missing shots at the rim. They're missing shots from the perimeter, wide open look sometimes. So, you know, they got to get that back. I'm just, you wonder what's happened to the swagger and the, the uh, crisp execution this team had been playing with for the first 12 games of the season. Uh, you know, even you look at even the three league wins that, that CSU has, they haven't necessarily looked their best in those games. And let's face it. I mean, the Rams were really extremely fortunate to pull out wins against air force, especially against air force and then UNLV at home. If you think about it, you could be looking at a one and five record right now in league play. So anyway, to uh, help us make sense out of all of this stuff that we've watched and, and what's going on with this Ram basketball team, we have Adam Nygon joining us, color analyst for the CSU Radio Network. But first, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker, who was just spotlighted by VisitFortCollins.com as a top Fort Collins restaurant worth the drive. They say, and I quote, dining at one of the multiple options to be found inside Ginger and Baker is an opportunity to not only enjoy a variety of high quality handcrafted offerings, but also an opportunity to experience dining in one of Fort Collins' most stunning historic buildings. And we couldn't agree more. You can have an amazing dinner at the Cash Restaurant where you can enjoy fine steaks, chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. Or the Cafe Restaurant for some of Chef Ryan's comfort food done right. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, market, teaching kitchen, and event spaces. And man, they have some great event spaces. The Milltop is worthy of wedding events. The Wine Cellar is a classy, intimate space perfect for dinners or corporate meetings. There's just something here for everybody. It's amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, here to break it all down for us is Adam Nygon, the color analyst for the CSU Radio Network. He was front and center last night, saw the whole thing uh, with his very own eyes. And uh, Adam, I know you just got back, uh, landed just a little bit ago, back in Denver from your trip. How was it? Yeah, it was a loss. <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. I mean, Reno's pretty the, the hotel we stay out is right next to the river out there and stuff. So it's actually a really nice area where we're at. Not Reno in general, but certainly the area is pretty nice to stay at. And uh yeah, man. Tough one last night to swallow, but uh that's uh it's not a bad loss. It just just hurts the way we're losing on the road a little bit, I think, is kind of the mood of you know, most people, I'd say. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it. I mean the the conference schedule hasn't done the Rams any favors to start here. You have all three of your your uh, early road games against the top six 
I, I would not say though, like you said, it's kind of the way they've lost. It's it's not necessarily a bad loss, but I would not say that they've played particularly well in any of the games, especially offensively. It's it's unfortunate because I think all three of their road losses were there for the taking. And as for last night uh, in Reno, despite the amazing shooting from Blackshear and, and Lucas, I mean, they were just on fire. That I've, that was ridiculous. Uh, and, and with, you know, pretty good defense too, but uh, we'll talk about that. But I, I think despite that, we were in the game down the stretch. I mean, you just could not get that one basket to get over the hump. I think you guys said on air, I had the game going. And then I also, I had you guys uh, as my audio, just kind of funny. You gotta, gotta kind of finagle the pause on the TV to line up the, <laughs> yep. the right audio. Right. But uh, I got it, got it perfectly there. And uh, I think at one point you guys said that the, that the Rams had 11 chances at one point in the second half to cut it when, you know, when they had it to five or six, they had a, they had 11 chances to get it below that. And just each time either missed the shot or turned it over. So that, that, that was tough. Yeah, that, that, that was, you know, Ryan Pfeiffer threw that stat at us and I think it was 11 or 12 with a few minutes still to go even. So I don't know, <clears throat> you know, how that worked out, but yeah, it just felt like despite, you know, despite the shots not going in, despite, you know, a few bad turnovers, it, it was, it was right there and you just couldn't get, you know, through that five to six point mark. And you mentioned the kind of shots Keenan Blackshear hit. I mean, Jared Lucas goes crazy, which you kind of expect, but you don't expect that Blackshear to, he, he just hit like a bunch of like fadeaway mid-range jumpers. And it's like, those are some of the toughest shots to hit. And, and that guy kind of lives off of that, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, it it is what it is with with where we're at right now. I think that's the frustrating part with with things is we we just aren't making shots. So when you, you know a team that's undersized, you know, and and we're not making outside shots, it lets the defense kind of collapse in on us. And so I think you saw a little bit of that last night. And and when teams are able to pack it in, you see guys like Isaiah Stevens aren't getting those open driving lanes, and shots are a little tougher. And it just, again, for us to just crawl out of some sl shooting slump that we're in right now would be unbelievably great. But again, it's going to take everything we can, you know, you're not going to win with your, you know, your fastball coach Medved likes to say, you know, you don't always have your fastball. So what other things can you do? And so, you know, in that game, particular last night, the, the chances we had were, you know, uh, we get a turnover and then turn it right back over, force a, force a quick shot down six that, you know, we really just needed to get a good one at the basket. And so our composure was a little shook last night. And uh, I, I, again, I see people talking about, you know, a bad loss. It's, it's not a bad loss. It does, doesn't hurt us long-term. I think we actually went up in the net because of uh, Colorado, you know, jump into a quad one or something like that. So, I mean, it, it hurts to lose this way, but again, these, you know, it, it'd be one thing if it was a game that we weren't supposed to lose to where, you know, you go up to Laramie on Saturday and, that's a game, quite honestly, we're not supposed to lose. So I think this is going to be the one where if, you know, things don't work out in Laramie like it should, now you're really kind of looking at a, uh, a tough back end of your schedule, especially right after the head, San Diego State coming to town. So it doesn't get any easier, but, uh, you know, these guys are connected. So I imagine they'll come back and, and be ready to go on Saturday. I think there's two ways to look at this because you're talking from a standpoint of it's not a bad loss. It doesn't necessarily hurt your metrics. You're still in great shape to be an at-large bid, obviously. But we're also looking at it from, geez, could we win a regular season conference title for the first time in 30 years, please? Like, this is the best chance we've right. had. 
And these losses are really putting a dent in that possibility, right? You're going to have to, yeah. I mean, you, you, we kind of looked at this, like you're going to have to steal one on the road against the top six. And right now with what we have left, we have a chance at San Diego state and at New Mexico. Those are going to be, especially with the way we're playing right now, those are going to be very difficult to steal one there. So we're very realistically looking at an Oh, and five against those teams. And that hurts your chances. Cause someone's going to probably do this. Someone's going to probably steal one. Maybe they'll offset that by losing one. They shouldn't at home. But um, so, so that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, God, I really would love a, a conference title. And we have not had one outside of the, the 2003 tourney title, but uh Anyway, that that's where I'm coming from. Like, come on, boys, let's. We, this is our best chance. Let's let's get this done. But anyway, I wanted to talk about um, some of the performances last night. And I know that things start with Zay. The team kind of goes as he goes, and he struggled last night. But I also think part of our struggles recently have been with Pat Cartier really getting into foul trouble early. Um, he certainly did last night. I mean, that the first that what do you have two thousand. Two minutes, something like that. It's kind of been a recurring theme. And what hurts you there is he's a big man, but he's also a guy that can get you some inside buckets. And he just his footwork and the way he can get to the the hole and get you those buckets, especially when we're struggling shooting. And uh not having that just kills you. So um I don't know if this is a you know a situation where he's making some bad decisions and he's reaching. I know he's taking some dumb fouls on like rebounds, like what do you do when fouling 90? you know, 90 feet away from the basket. But um, is this something that he's just not playing smart? Is it a bit of a bad luck where he's getting some bad calls or a mix of both? Well, to be, to be fair to Pat, he's, he's had to guard some of the biggest men in the league so far, you know, Omar Stanley. And then last night, uh, you know, KJ Himes, he's a decent player, but you know, when, when you're undersized like that, you're constantly trying to get around, get to fronts, you know, are they fouls? Are they, are they not fouls? Sometimes, you know, the inconsistency of how they, they, they breath in the post is kind of, you know, here and there to me, it's, it's, it's not so much that Pat, you know, is getting those quick fouls and having to come out. It's that when Pat comes out or Joel Scott comes out, you know, what are we bringing off the bench other than Bemba at that big man spot? It's been that we're forced to play Joe Palmer now has, has been playing a lot of four, which is, you know, he's, he's a tough kid. He's, he's got a heck of, of, of pride and, 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 you know, believes in himself and, and everybody does, but you know, he's still six, four underneath trying to guard six, nine, posting them up. And, and, you know, those guys just are scoring over the top. So to me, Yes, they've got to stay out of foul trouble, but we need Rashawn Memba to stay out of foul trouble, more importantly, because if he goes into foul trouble, then it's it's really just throwing us in a bind where, you know, we're throwing guys into positions where, I mean, I said on the air last night, Kyle Evans should stay ready. I mean, as inconsistent as Memba has been, you know, in these last five or six games, great game last night. I mean, we need a big who can at least just wall up and make things a little harder down low, so you know, to, to your point, though, you know, Patrick Cartier in conference has gone from a 52% shooter to, to about 26% over these last five, six games now. So that's that's concerning to me in the fact that, you know, you just can't get him to spread the other big men out. And then if he's not playing good defensively, you know, what 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 good are you out there? You know what I mean? So it's like something's got to give. And, and to me, it's just you can bring your defense every night, you know, you're not going to make shots every game, but you know, defensive intensity and, and making plays like that and being available on the floor is, 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 is bigger than just making shots for us, honestly. Well, you mentioned Bemba and, and 
I thought he played pretty well in the first half, gave you some really good minutes. Uh, and then he played just one, you know, minute and 21 seconds in the second half. And I, I don't understand that because he, I thought he was providing something there. And I, I don't know, is that a mistake on the staff's part to not be giving him more time? Why are they yanking him? Uh, I, I don't get it. And he hasn't really necessarily in the last few games been in foul trouble, but he's still not getting minutes. Yeah, it's it's just kind of one of those things as he had the complete trust of that staff defensively and and offensively again he's he's not shooting as as well as Cartier can so it's 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 one of those things where Bemba you know I I love the energy brings he was great against like Creighton and Washington and that bulk of our our schedule but just kind of went through a lull there and he gets a little too aggressive on some of those post feeds where if he could just wall up and as, as a freshman, he walls up great. And then as soon as the ball comes his way, he kind of swipes at it. You know, he got a foul last night doing that. And it's just those mistakes need to kind of, you know, again, you, to your point, we've set the the standard and expectation of competing for a Mount West title. So, so again, to, to set that expectation early and, you know, to be accounted and, 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 you know, make sure you're held to that standard. These guys got to understand that too. And so, Maybe that's been a part of it. You know, it's it's hard to for me to buy into them just being in ruts because they really, you know, they don't have a bad loss yet. These are all road losses against tough teams. And so for me to freak out, I'll probably have to take the Wyoming game. And then knowing San Diego State's coming to town, that could really kind of throw things around. And, you know, then, you, then you're really just hoping for seeding and matchups. And then you got to go to UNLV still, still to San Diego State. I mean, it's not going to get much easier, but you're right. I would love for us to go out there and act like we're upset. We're not in the top 25. We're upset that people don't think of we're for real. You know, I want to see us with that fiery edge that we kind of play with. And in, in the last three games here in the last like 10 minutes, that's the edge I want to play with for the last, you know, 40 minutes. And I'm sure, you know, coaches are saying the same thing. It's, it's how do you get that switch to flip, you know, on these guys. You know, I feel, I don't know, correct me or give me your thoughts on this, but I feel like sometimes the staff can struggle a little bit with the rotation. I mean, he's got, you got 11 guys capable of getting time, you know, seven guys that are worthy of getting time. And actually last night, all 11 saw playing time. Is there a rhyme or reason to what we're doing? Uh, Javante Johnson got some minutes in important moments last night. Tavy, he only played two minutes. But, uh, you know, Bemba looks good, then rides pie in the second half. You, you, what are your thoughts on playing 11 guys right now at this point in the season? Well, it's that that's kind of part of it, too, to me, is you you were hurt all early in the season to where, you know, Kyle, you know, Kyan Evans and Devontae Jackson were averaging 12 minutes a game. You know, they were they were playing a lot and, and really coming along and giving you good sparks. But, you know, in this conference schedule, now things kind of tighten up. You, you tighten up your rotations and, you know, t- Tavy's a guy I could see probably getting some more minutes as a defensive, you know, guy that he's shown he can do, but he's got to prove himself on the offensive side of things too. You got to trust him in that system. And, you know, it's probably not quite as far as long as you'd hope it, it it's, it's so hard with the staff when you've got 11 guys to shuffle rather than just like, you know, those Larry days when you had, you know, seven, eight guys and right. you know, that eighth guy was probably if it was a blowout, you know, you knew you're playing and they were going to play 40 minutes a game. So I think there's there's there is a little bit of chess to that and and trying to figure out matchups and I, I don't know man how how do you guard Jared Lucas better than you know kind of what they did I mean he just is a guy who gets any sort of window is gonna just catch fire and go crazy like you saw and then I don't know I don't know how much better you could guard you know Keenan Blackshear with the shots he was hitting I mean those are shots as a coach that you're like oh good I you know hit 
18 feet from the basket falling away with a guy in his face that that's fine with me you know what I mean and he just made those shots and they they had lost three straight games and they're coached by Steve Alford who's a great coach so again it's it's still not time for me to panic but you're right you're right it's time to start proving that we we belong again in that conversation speaking of I, I have some more questions about a couple of the players but you know, with like you mentioned, Lucas was unconscious. Black she was unconscious. Fadeaways with guys in their face, uh, and they just weren't missing. Um, you kind of just got to tip your cap to them because we defended pretty well, and they were making tough shots. Is there anything else that you would have done to try to defend him? I know you mentioned on air, throwing a little zone at him a little bit. Um, I don't know. I probably would have tried. He's a really good foul shooter, right? What is he, 90 plus percent? But I think I still would have probably bodied him up a little bit, roughed him up a little bit, try to throw him off his game a little bit, make make him feel the D a little bit. But anything else that you would have tried? I, you know, I called for it on the air, maybe just a box in one where, where you just, you don't even let him catch the ball. And, and again, if he gets the ball back and, and it's your fault, you got to come out of the game. You know what I mean? Like you don't have a single responsibility other than, Jared Luke is not touching that basketball. And so it, it, it's hard to kind of adjust to that as, you know, they, again, Steve Alford and New Mexico ran the same stuff for Philip McDonald when I was there. It's, it's the ways that, you know, you try to do that, but then he has so many sets and you run them off of four screens and it's just sometimes guys like that get loose. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's just so tough winning on the road that when you don't have a shot falling, you know, it just seems like that's kind of playing into other things on the other end. It's like, you can't make a wide open shot, but this guy's hitting a 28 footer with me in his face, you know, like that's a, a mentally, you know, thing to get over in that game. And it just, it, it's just frustrating to, to now just lay on the back of Isaiah Stevens and say, okay, well, Isaiah Stevens is going to take us there because he's done it the last two games. And so, you know, he, I, I thought I saw somebody say he had a, you know, an off night last night. Yeah. He had an off night in the sense that he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but he still had, you know, 10 assists, zero turnovers. So I'm not saying that's one of those games that he's played bad in. It's just, you know, one of those nights your shot doesn't fall. So, you know, I, I, I feel like if we could just break free and get Joe Palmer or Jalen Lake to get two or three games in a row of just like two, two, two made threes, you know what I mean? Just something that kind of, gets you to build off of instead of making two or three in one game and then, you know, missing your next seven or eight. It's just the the mentality of that is so hard to, to ride. And especially when you're playing these tough teams and they're beating you up inside, it's, it's like something's got to give. Tough little stretch for headband Joe last couple of games, scoreless. Uh, definitely need to get him back on track. Um, the other tough thing last night, you know, we were talking about, you guys also mentioned it on the broadcast, but it's just so tough when you finally do get a couple of those missed shots by Blackshear and, and Lucas and we don't get the rebound and yeah. uh, Nevada just every time made you pay with a second chance. So some of those were bad luck, uh, you know, bad bounces on the rim. And other instances, I really thought they were outworking us or wanted that loose ball a bit more. Maybe we were tired, probably were tired. I don't know. But uh, so so that was tough. But, you know, talking about Zay, you just brought him up. And as you said, 10 assists, no turnovers, uh, but zero points in the first half. He, he seems to me like he's getting off to slow starts. He, last several games, um, not, I don't know if he's just not uh, asserting himself or just being a little too unselfish. I don't know. But uh, he, he does seem to turn it on in the second half, didn't necessarily get it going last night. But would you say that, uh, and I, that I'm going to ask this, but I also feel like sometimes he does take some early in the clock shots or forces some things at times, but 
I almost feel like I do wish that he would be a little less unselfish, you know, and, and really assert himself because we need him. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, 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 again, it's, it's hard to tell shooters not to shoot open shots or to tell Isaiah not to pass the ball. You know, you know what I mean? That's like going against everything you work for. But to me, I think, I think it, it, it switches where, we just need to pick up the energy from the jump. We're having trouble kind of, you know, lighting that fire early to, to kind of wake up. And, and to me, I think it, it starts with us maybe picking up full court, you know, maybe jumping people for the first 40 minutes of the game, just come out in a full court press. We'll maybe throw a trap in there, see if we can just get those turnovers that let us loose in transition, because that's really when our, we're, we're at our best is getting those guys out in the open floor and using that speed and athleticism and not letting some of those big defenses get set. It's, it's, it's not so much as Isaiah needs to score, score, score right away. It's that we need to wake up earlier. And, and as a team, when we do that, you know, that's when, you know, you open up driving lanes and it's not really, you know, whose shot is it? It's the next open shot is the shot. So mm -hmm. I, I'm sticking with it. I think Isaiah, you know, he he picks and chooses his spots and, and comes on when he needs to. I just really think it's getting those other guys to come along early and, and get everything kind of going sooner other than being like, oh, shoot, here we go. We better, you know, make a run here. Or we're going to lose this game. And, you know, that that desperation needs to come out sooner to me and, and we need to act like it. So you also mentioned, uh, you know, when you're struggling shooting, guys struggling from three, a lot of the team is in a rut right now from that standpoint. How do you balance being selective, you know, in your shots, but also, you know, being confident just, Hey, I know I missed 10 in a row, but I'm wide open here. I got to let it fly. Right. I, that's a, that's, it seems delicate to me. It is. And I've gone through those as a player too. It's, you know, what, do you, what do you do? And, you know, I, you just can't tell a shooter not to shoot. I, you know, maybe go try a one dribble pull up, you know, something to get you going that, that may be, you, you know, one dribble pull up in today's college game is probably the worst I can take, but you know, just something in rhythm, you know, where you're just finding a shot and, and it, it's just so hard to, for me to tell your, your best shooters who have made, you know, 40% all year long. Yeah, now you can't shoot this shot. Oops, sorry. Of course my dogs are going crazy over here on this man. But it, it is to me so hard as a shooter not to say, okay, you're wide open. Don't shoot that, you know, pull up or, you know, but, but you're starting to see some of that stuff go to guys cutting back door. There were an, a, a nice couple of cuts back door yesterday that I saw that, you know, guys can do different things when they're weak side, instead of spotting up at three, get to a spot close to the rim or go get a layup, you know, use some of those and, and, and when I say that, I'm immediately thinking that we could probably score more on that initial back screen cut to the rim, that rub cut. It's open so late that you see Air Force kind of hit a lot of those guys with those back cuts. I see that open so much to where we're not even looking at it right now, where you want to talk about stealing a couple of baskets. Hey, why not, you know, look for that late and get a quick layup off of some of that stuff. So there, there's different spots where you can steal, you know, scores and stuff, but I think again, as, as guys are wide open shooting, you just kind of got to shoot your way out of it. Honestly, when, you, you know, when, when you were playing and you were going through a slump, you know, how did you like, did you feel that? Like, here I am, I got this shot. Do you feel that hesitancy? And do you know that, Oh shit, I'm in trouble. If I'm, if I'm questioning myself right now. <laughs> yeah. It, that happened to us at air force, quite honestly. So I don't, we were at 19 wins going into the Air Force game. You know, if we win against Air Force, we were going to get in the tournament. Our metrics were great. 
we shot probably, I don't know, two for 20 that night in, at Air Force. And it was one of those things where we were getting wide open shot after wide open shot, just clank, clank, clank. And, you know, as a guy who, who's kind of gone in the ups and downs of ebbs of flows of, of playing time through his career, it's, it, you know, I, I kind of liked when, you know, coach would throw me back on scout team, you know, it, you know, in the middle of a season, if I was on a scout team, I would take it as, all right, I'm, you know, I'm, I, some of those guys back. I'm Jimmer Ferdet on scout team today. You know, like I'm going to let this fly and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to earn myself back. And that that's kind of the way that I got out of my slumps is going through practice and just kind of, you know, getting my swag back that way and acting like I'm some of those guys getting some crazy shots to where, you know, Hey, you see a couple go in, you start talking some crap, you know, and then all of a sudden you're back to where you need to be on that edge. So I, I, I don't know. Some of these guys, it's just, a, a mentality thing you got to step in and knock it down or you know if you're not going to make them you, you got to got to start scoring somewhere else so pull up get yourself to a shorter spot in the court I mean it's, it's that's the honesty of it yeah I you know it's funny uh first month and a half of the season first 12 13 games whatever um I remember like texting with buddies I'm like what I love about this team is that you don't have those long droughts of no scoring in a game like we just know how to create some easy baskets when you need them you get inside and now like every game we're going through these periods where we're we're going three four five minutes sometimes without scoring and I think last night we started the game didn't score our first bucket till four plus minutes in second half I don't think we scored till three minutes in so I I mean it, it all probably goes back to everything you're talking about with being able to to make shots and find easier shots but that's concerning to me because I that's one of the reasons I thought hey we're gonna be really tough if we do get in the tournament, because we, I mean, this is just a different team than I've seen in recent years and, and we could be really dangerous, but it's a little concerning now with this, uh, the way our offense is playing. Yeah, it, it it's concerning. And it, I don't know if you're happy to be going through it now and, and instead of a month from now, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, maybe we'll figure it out in the next couple of weeks, something's going to click for us and, and just start, you know, not even thinking about what happened in January. It's just, you know, I think we we kind of ran into it a little bit with our schedule. We hit a wall. We got some guys hurt, and then now everybody's back, and they're just kind of trying to find our way again. Especially going back to Tavy Jackson and Kyan Evans, guys who were averaging 12, point, 12, 12 minutes a game, and you know, and then Bemba struggled for a while. So it was just trying to find our legs, and now it's you know, can we just find some shots? And so. I, I think it's better to go through it now than in a month from now and just kind of fizzle out to where I think we'll, we'll be all right when we shoot our way out of it, because gosh, we're still the number one two point defense team in the, in the um, conference. So, I mean, as bad as we are shooting, we're, we're playing some pretty good D it's just, it's getting outweighed by us missing the shots and losing some of these games. So I, I think we can do ourselves a lot of favors if, if we do pick up full or find a way to kind of, you know, a, a few traps defensively here, something to get us going early that, that gets us out in that transition to where we're playing a little more desperately and with a chip on our shoulder. Are we seeing a little bit of the uh, frosh growing pains with Kyan Evans? I mean, uh, he, he just looked so poised early on in the season, especially, I mean, he got some time in some really key moments in some big games, uh, but in league play, he's gotten a little bit eaten up. And, uh, you know, it's funny, it just seems like he'll get a quick turnover, then yanked and, Zay's respite, his his little rest is over quickly. So um, I don't, I mean I don't know. You we all want Zay in as much as possible, but uh, and so maybe some of this is by design, just giving you a few minutes here and there. But you know he hasn't played more than five minutes probably in league play the yet. 
Yeah, and he's 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 he does something really great, and then he has like a really bad turnover. So it's like he, he does two steps forward, one step back, and you know the tough part for for those guys now is they've got to do so much more and less. You know, with three minutes a game, you tell me how much of an impact you can have on that game. You know, so what's what's a good stat for him? Two points, maybe an assist, and you know, a steal or something like that. Like he's just got to buy time for Isaiah and. Honestly, for, for him and Tavy, I would just be sitting there with a notepad listening to everything Isaiah Stevens has said or ever, you know, put out there because, I mean, the way he thinks about the game and the way he sees things and particularly the way Isaiah changes paces because it's it's he gets denied and double teamed and, and, and everything like that. They switched every screen he set last night, which really put him kind of in a weird spot like you know, now that plays dead because because it's switched off and now there's a, a different read. So the way that he can can kind of change his pace and read a screen just to get open and run our offense, because I, I can tell you they've thrown everything at him and he continues to just prove, you know, why he can dissect everybody and, and it's chess, not checkers, because he just thinks so much differently than anybody else I've ever heard. I love that. Yes. I mean, this is uh, it, that's. Probably the biggest benefit of Zay Cup, not the biggest benefit, but what an opportunity for him to get to play one year with Zay and and, and learn from him. You know, okay, so Jalen Lake, he was the Rams' leading scorer last night, 13. He had his first two three-point attempts, which was nice, kind of gave us a little boost there early on. He added a third later on. He finished three of six from three at half the team's threes in the game. Josiah Strong had 12 on five of nine shooting. I thought he had a pretty good game. He did miss him. He went for four from three he just really struggling from three-point land this this season and it's unfortunate because he came in like he that's what he was known for being a great perimeter shooter right and yeah. um he's 24 percent from three this year joel scott had a pretty decent game i thought last night four of eight ten points five rebounds two blocks he also missed a couple chippies uh one kind of late in the game, crucial part of the game what would have helped us but what's kind of did, did you take away like, was anything you were like wow there were some positives that we take away or some things I felt good about last night. I know we're all down on certain things, but no, yeah. Positive. I, I, you, you, you mentioned Joel Scott. I, I thought Joel Scott had struggled to kind of show his presence a lot in, in the conference season, specifically with the matchups. I, had. I thought he was as aggressive as I've seen him in the last four weeks. I mean, he, he looked like he wasn't worried about who was going to be at the rim when he was going to be there. Certainly. I think with him, he loads up for some of these dunks and he's just not the athlete that, you know, it, it, he, he, he is at this level. I shouldn't say that, you know, as an unathletic guy myself, but you know, when, when I see him kind of load up for those dunks and get blocked, I say, okay, well maybe just go up and get it quick to the rim. Like, you, you know, at this level, you know, guys, you think you're open, you think you got that dunk, but, but again, you find out quick guys are coming fast and they're long and athletic and yeah, he may have gotten fouled on a couple of those, but, but to me, it's like, okay, let's adjust and just go up, put this in the, you know, get it off the glass as quick as I can. But, but, but what I loved is his aggressiveness is he went in there, ripped some rebounds down, got a few offensive boards, three offensive boards. And, you know, of, of all the Rams, he's one of the two that actually had a plus minus of, of positive. So mm. To me, that's encouraging to see him kind of, you know, say enough's enough, man. I'm sick of getting beat up on. I'm sick of, you know, missing layups. And, you know, that that's a good positive for me is to see him kind of come out of his shell and, and look a little upset and frustrated about it. That that I love. Regarding the officiating, I think it's it's easy to complain about officiating. Last night, I thought there was some inconsistencies and in what they were calling at each end. But I got to you know, I think that I, for one, 
kind of like that they're letting teams play a little more last few games. They're it's physical. In previous years, it seems like they would call everything, every little ticky tack foul. And I, I I believe that Mountain West teams kind of need to learn to be able to play through some of these fouls because, um, you know, it, it they're relying in the past on some of these ticky tack foul calls that they're certainly not going to get an NCAA tournament play. I think that's kind of part of why the Mount West has struggled a little bit um, historically, say for San Diego State's run last year, but it may not benefit our team because we're not necessarily the, the biggest, most physical team, but uh, I do think it's valuable to, to kind of have this officiating where they're letting a play a little bit more and allowing more contact. What are your thoughts? Yeah. It, it, it's just the, the inconsistencies is, is, you know, what's a block, what's a charge. That's, that's probably, you know, going to, I'm going to die on that Hill, but it's just like Nick Clifford gets that charge call late when yes. they, they called a couple blocks on Cartier and Cartier is just standing yeah. there on a screen. The guy tiptoes out of bounds. And, you know, the inconsistency of some of those calls is what I, I get frustrated about. You know, I love the physicality of how they let guys play. And, and again, you know, Joel Scott going up and getting blocked a few times and, and people are wanting a foul call for that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I love that block. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I love those types of plays and I'm glad they, they kind of are letting them play through some of that stuff. And, I, it's just, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't try to ever complain about the rest because it's just so hard to, to, you know, like I said, they're so inconsistent that you just kind of got to leave them alone. But, you know, when you see some of these calls, you know, as soon as a guy, the thing that frustrates me is as soon as the guy starts, you know, touching his face or saying, I got hit, I got hit. They just go to the, go to, let's go look at it. Let's yeah. Go look at it. Yeah. It's just the review. They, they can save 20 minutes a game just by saying, yeah, right. Don't worry about it. But then, you know, then guy like Cartier gets hit in the face and comes out with a bloody nose. And yeah. No, but nobody wants to look at that one either. You know, it's just, again, that they, they could do themselves a lot of favors, but just saying, all right, we're reviewing this or we're not reviewing this. And I, I yeah, it's, it's just been one of those things where, you know, you got to play through it. You've, you've got to expect the contact, not the call. That's what, you know, my coach used to say. And, you know, again, I, I saw that out of Joel Scott a little bit last night, a guy who had really been kind of struggling inside. So I, I love to see that. And then when Bemba's actually able to play, he plays with a certain physicality too that I love and, you know, gives us that edge off the bench. So we, we do need our bench to show up. They did last night, 25 points off the bench. It's just, you know, a bad game for some of those starters to really kind of struggle through and, and not find their way. Thoughts on Nico looked a little bit defeated last night. You don't usually see him like he's sitting on the bench, hands over his face. <laughs> and you just don't, he doesn't usually lead. I mean, obviously he gets mad like every other coach, but you don't usually see him like they almost look defeated. What were your thoughts on your interaction with him post game? You know, how, how was, uh, how was his emotions after a tough loss? Well, a poor coach is going through some sort of sickness. He's, sick, yeah, he's got a he's got a, a throat deal where he you can barely hear what he was saying in the pregame uh, interview that Brian yep. does. So I don't know if he was so defeated on the edge or if he has started yelling so hard, you know, when you're so sick that you just get lightheaded and you're kind of just like, oh, I got a headache and this is a bad day at work on top of it, you know. So <laughs> right. I think, uh, you know, it, he's doing good. He's just. You know, again, as a coach, what do you say? You make make some shots, make make a friggin' shot, make it. You know, like uh, you know, you, you got a wide open shot. I can't put you in a better situation than that. So, you know, he can do some things where he tweaks you defensively or, or puts you in a better matchup. But, gosh, that's the whole frustrating part too. Is he's probably every single Ram fan at home, just like, oh gosh, can one just fall? Can we get a couple to go and you know get over that five or six point hump that we just couldn't seem to get over last night? But 
I, I think coach is good. He, he hates to lose. You know, I see him walking around the hotel after a couple of these and he's just, you know, so you know torn up about him. And that's what you want. You want a guy who cares and goes home at night and doesn't get any sleep because he wants us to be the best that we can be. So I, I know he's, he's got us right. And he's, you know, going to do whatever he can. And that staff's so good at, at kind of just not, not worrying about the things outside of their program. They're, they're connected at who they are and what they do that. I think the consistency is going to show and they're going to shoot out of this. And, you know, and if they don't, I think they're going to figure out a way to still be competitive and be there because you know, that they're that type of team. They're willing to do some things that they need to, to win ball games. Is he like mumbling stuff to you guys during the games? Like, sometimes <laughs> like they like make, oh, a, that's make off a the damn record, shot or though. something like that's that. That's off the record. No, he, <laughs> You know, he is, we're, we're, we're like his little therapist during the game sometimes when it's he's like just it. over, like, make us a freaking, can we just make a layup? Can we just yeah. defend somebody? You know, we're here for coach, you know, when he needs us. So, <laughs> you know, it is fun as he kind of includes us in some of that. And and honestly, almost took out Brian the other day, kicking the, the scores table as hard as he did at Moby the cla- uh, last game. So uh, we <laughs> love coach, man. He's, he's such a fun guy to be around. And especially, you know, in those games when he turns at us, like, what? what the hell are we doing guys? What are we doing? It's just uh, like, I'm with you coach. I'm with uh, you. So I love it. I love it. All right. So it sets up uh, a pretty large border war game Saturday. You kind of mentioned it earlier. You know, if the Rams have any hope at a mountain West title, I feel like this is a must win. It's a quad three game on the road. It's a game. The Rams got to win. I mean, you watch a lot of Mount West basketball. What do you expect from Wyoming and what does what CSU need to do to win? Uh, I, you know, Wyoming's playing probably as confident as, as anyone is right now. I mean, they, they, they beat Fresno, beat Nevada at home. And then they, they had San Diego state up until, you know, 12, 15 minutes left in that yep. game at Viejas. Played them tough. They're in that ball game. So they're coming along. They've got a D2 transfer from Fort Lewis. His name's a quail cot who, you know, he's got already got a game winner against San Jose state. He's one of those guys that if you if you know Jeff Linder, he loves to have a guy who can grind you up on a ball screen. He's just going to throw you in a ball screen and let you kind of go get a bucket. And that guy can do that. He can, he can pull up from deep, and you know he's he's so dangerous as he gets kind of some space. So I, I expect a, a really tough game. And and you know it's it's Jeff Linder who's one of the best coaches in the Mountain West. Probably doesn't get as much love you know in the last couple of years with things that's happened, but. As far as X's and O's goes, I mean, he's one of the best. So I, I really, you know, the Rams are, are, are going to be in a tough one again. I hope I hope fans don't expect a blowout because the the 200, you know, ranking that Wyoming has right now probably just it, it doesn't mean a thing, honestly, when that ball tips. When do you got your uh, when do you got your Wyo preview video coming out? <laughs> hey, four hours before the game, man. That's my deadline. I got to get that in. Those are. Uh, <laughs> Those are fun to do, man. It's uh, it, it's been a, a little bit of a headache because I, I put myself up against a wall by putting the first one out and saying I'm going to do one every game. So uh, I'm I'm out here grinding too, like the rest of us on the road. Remind us your uh, your handles on. Uh, oh yeah, Twitter. yeah. Uh, Adam the Hoops Analyst on TikTok and then a Nigon underscore twelve on Twitter. All right, great follow. He's got great content, great previews before every game, Adam. Your knowledge is awesome. Love talking with you, man. Keep up the great work. And Thanks, uh, we'll, we'll be listening on Saturday. Yeah. Hit me up after a couple wins, man. Let's talk talk about a, a you know a feel-good one, too, here. Let we me will, know. We, will, we back. will for sure do that, brother. We, we will. <laughs> All right, bud. Thanks, man. Take it easy, man. Yeah. You too. All right. Thanks to Adam Nigon. Somehow, after you talk to him, you just feel a little bit better about things. Uh, so coming up, you got the Rams versus Wyoming in Laramie, the Dome of Doom Arena Auditorium, Saturday. 
The uh, that game is at two o'clock Mountain Time. It's on the Mountain West Sports Network. The women also play at one o'clock that day at Moby Arena. They will face San Jose State. That game is also televised on Local Three in Denver. Rams on a two-game skid. They need to get back on track here after starting the season eight and zero. Have gone just four and six in their last ten. So uh, be nice to get them back on track. Let's uh, root on the Rams for a couple victories this weekend. Thanks to you all for listening. Please support our sponsors. Thanks to Adam Nygon and thanks to Mike Rowe for going to a movie rather than joining us for a podcast today. Appreciate y'all. Go Rams.